There's something really curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Commence episode now. All systems remain nominal. Nominal, nominal, nominal. Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Well, it's coming to the end of the year, it's the beginning of December, and that can only mean one thing, our monthly sky guide. Usually at this point I would introduce Ross Hockham from UK Astronomy, but unfortunately, due to work commitments and uh, other commitments involving UK Astronomy itself, Ross can't actually join us. And it might be a reoccurring event, to be honest with you, because things are really ramping up with UK Astronomy at the moment. But fear not, because Ross will still be joining us, but it will be a pre-recorded sky guide for you. So I'm going to go straight into a short break, and when we come back, Ross will be telling us what's going on in December. If you could put on a special pair of glasses and look up into the night sky, you would see something amazing. A sky full of exoplanets, planets orbiting stars beyond our own solar system. A team of superhero space telescopes, in a sense, has done just that. Using powerful technology, they've peered into space, discovering thousands of these distant planets and unveiling their secrets. The first exoplanet discoveries were very down to earth. They were made from the ground. Pioneering new techniques, ground-based telescopes began capturing evidence of giant, scorchingly hot planets around other stars. But to see exoplanets more clearly, including small rocky worlds like our own, telescopes needed a boost. We began launching them into space, lifting them above Earth's atmosphere. This superhero team of space telescopes, Hubble, Chandra, Spitzer, Kepler, and Tess, were free from all the noise and interference from Earth's atmosphere, jittering air molecules, scattering light, clouds, and moisture. And the curtain parted on a galaxy crowded with exoplanets, giant ones, tiny ones, rocky and gaseous, deep frozen and superheated, planets with two or three suns, super Earths, mini Neptunes, and worlds that were just plain weird, like nothing we had ever seen before. And now a new marvel of technology joins NASA's team, the James Webb Space Telescope. Its infrared vision can peer into the atmospheres of exoplanets, expanding what we know about distant worlds. High on the list of odd exoplanets to observe is a terrifying place where it might rain glass sideways. This exoplanet is called HD 189733b, and it's a hot Jupiter, a giant gaseous world that hugs its star in such a tight orbit that its temperature is more than 1,700 degrees Fahrenheit. Its winds howl at more than 5,400 miles per hour. 
HD 189733b has been a favorite target of our space telescopes. Spitzer measured its temperature and winds. Hubble discovered that the planet's clouds are deep blue due to the raining glass or silicates. And Chandra observed its star in X-rays, watching the planet's shadow as it passed in front of the star. A much larger shadow than previously thought because huge amounts of the planet's atmosphere are evaporating into space. NASA's next great observatory, the James Webb Space Telescope, will also turn its supervision on HD 189733b. Like Spitzer, it sees in powerful infrared light, but Webb's vision will penetrate far more deeply into this planet's atmosphere and others than ever before. What will it find? Put it all together and it's a super team. Extraordinary telescopes, exceptional vision, and mind-expanding exoplanet discoveries. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. Welcome back to TGP Nominal. Now, Ross, what have we got coming up in December? It's Christmas nearly, so we've got loads for you to see this month. And to start off, Mars is actually the one to view for the month. It's uh, now closest to uh, us in orbit. It's going to look high and bright over December, so it's going to be really high up in the sky, a nice and bright red planet. Jupiter's still the brightest in the sky at the moment, and it can still be easily seen. Just as the sun sets, it's kind of a bright whitish blob in the sky, so it's completely different to Mars, so you can tell the sort of part quite easily. Big bright blob, Jupiter, to the left of it, higher up is Mars, nice red blob up there. Saturn is still up and it's just off to the lower right of uh, Jupiter, although it is kind of slightly dimmer now and it's only got like a slight hint of yellow and it is setting quite early and I believe uh, Jupiter is setting kind of just after midnight, maybe just before as well. So Mars really is the one up to view. Mercury is going to slowly be rising into the evening sky. Venus is very close to it, but sadly it is actually really close to the sun as well. So you probably won't be able to see much of Venus unless you've got a really clear horizon as the sun sets. But there is a possibility towards the end of the month Uranus is up most of the night, although it's still sitting in a hard to find place between the constellations Cetus and Taurus, where there aren't really any bright stars to aid you in your star hopping to get there to find it, but it's still there and still able to be seen. Neptune's also up. It's not far from Jupiter itself, it's kind of just to the right of it, but again, it's in another hard area that's full of dimmer stars that are hard to star hop around, but the gas giant Jupiter should be there to help you find the area that's kind of close to it, and you can star hop from Jupiter across to actually find Neptune itself. Now, if we move on to the actual month and the dates, on the 5th, the moon is going to occult Uranus. People are going to be like, the moon occults Uranus, yep. <laughs> Let's have a laugh about that. But this is actually going to be a bit of a tougher spot than the uh, later occultion of Mars. So at the moment, Uranus is going to be occulted by the moon, but later on in the month, Mars is going to be occulted as well. So Uranus gets occulted around about 4.50pm, so it's quite early, but it is dependent on your location in the UK, because you know where you are in it depends on how much you're going to see and what the time is. So get out there a little bit before, have a look. You might see or spot the dim planet kind of slip behind the moon and it'll be reappearing from its other side at around 5.21pm. So you will probably need, I'll say you'll need a telescope for this because Uranus is right next to a bright moon and it is quite dim. So definitely a telescope to have a look and see that. 
On the 8th, we've got Mars again. This is when it's occulted by the moon. So a few days later, the moon moves into up to Mars. And this is going to be in the afternoon. And the afternoon's full moon is actually going to slip back in the sky and slowly cover the red planet. So around about 4.57 a.m., so early again, the planet's going to slip behind the moon, but Mars is brighter than Uranus. You might be able to see it with binoculars. Even with your eye, you might be able to spot it. So it's definitely worth popping out. It's going to come out the other side of the moon around 5.57 a.m. So it's well worth an early wake up. Mars also reaches opposition this morning as well. So it's actually going to be at its brightest. So it's a great time to see this awesome event. So the 8th, get up nice and early. I said it was a reasonable time. <laughs> it's not really, but it's better than, you know, 4.57 p.m. when it's still quite bright. So 4.57 a.m. Pop up, have a look. We move on to the 14th. It's the uh, time for the awesome Geminid meteor shower. That peaks starting around 1 p.m. Obviously, that is daytime. So the best time to see them themselves is the night before on the 13th or the night after, which is the 14th. That gives you really two nights to hopefully get out and see some shooting stars across the sky. They'll be coming from the constellation Gemini. Although there is a waning gibbous moon in the way, which will wash some of them out, it's definitely worth sitting out in your garden zone having a peek. Find a dark field if you can, put on some warm clothes, grab a blanket, maybe sit in some reclining chairs. Just sit there staring up for a couple of hours, see if you can see some burning meteors while you're sipping coffee or hot chocolate. A Christmas meteor shower, why not? On the 15th, Jupiter's moon Ganymede is actually transiting the planet again. That and their shadows have been going across the uh, front of the actual planet itself. Now it's going to be moving across it between 7pm and 10pm, so you've got a few hours to you know, pop out and have a little look at it. Best to look for your scopes again. Get your scopes on the planet, Jupiter, and you should be able to spot the moon just kind of slipping across its surface. It will be quite small, so it's actually going to be, from what I saw, just below the red spot itself. So as the red spot's coming into view, that's just when the moon goes on there as well, just below this giant storm. Both are going to be crossing as it turns at the same time. So that's something definitely to sit there and look for a few hours and watch or maybe get some pictures of. Really cool sight to see. We now pop to the 18th, the moon is going to begin to slip out of the way, making it a great time to start your search for those dimmer deep space objects like the Orion Nebula, globular clusters or galaxies, anything like that that the moon washes out. Great time to pop out there, nice dark skies, plan it, you've got a few days either side of this date, go out and have a look, see if you can find some of those elusive objects. On the 21st, the elusive Mercury, the messenger of the gods, reaches its greatest elongation today, meaning it's going to be at its highest point in the afternoon sky. So just as the sun sets, have a look out. Make sure you don't look at the sun because you know this hurts your eyes and is not good for you at all. You should see a little white dot just kind of near the horizon as the sun sets. It won't be that high because it's not its highest, but it's its highest for this month. Later on in the month, there's going to be a bit more going on there, hopefully for us to see as well. So if we move on to the 22nd, with the moon out of the way still, it's a good time to see if you can spot the peak of another meteor shower. This one's the Ursid meteor shower. Although it's not as good as the Geminids, which is meant to be really good, I think they say about 60 to 100, something like that you can see. This is uh, a lot less, but it's still worth getting up because it's around about 10pm, so it's a nice time, you can still go out and see some, and it's going to be coming from Ursa Minor. So the best way to find the error is you pick out the plough, which is an asterism in the sky, it's kind of like a constellation but smaller, and you draw a line down the handle into the saucepan, the last two stars sticking up, draw a straight line there, takes you straight up to the North Star Polaris. When you get there, that is pretty much where they're going to be radiating from. So they're going to be radiating from Polaris, the star itself, around that area. So just have a look up there. Happy spotting. See if you can find a few. Now, while you're out there looking for the meteors, if you have a telescope, same night, pop it on Jupiter around about 11pm and you'll be able to see the moon Ganymede transit across the planet's surface. So it's happening again. There's quite a few of these happening. So it's another chance for you to see it if it's cloudy or foggy or misty or snowing, maybe. You never know. It's definitely worth having a look. Although the problem is, just as it starts happening, the planet is kind of going down and starting to set. 
so you know you might only get an hour or so to actually see this happen but hey pop out there and get a double bubble two for one for the night Now, if you fancy a Christmas comet hunt, on the 23rd, Comet C2020 V2 ZTF, a very catchy name for a comet. It's not far from the star, again, Polaris, so not far from the North Star. You should know where that is hopefully now because you might have gone out and seen the meteors. If you do a little bit of star hopping from Polaris, it will lead you to it. Although it is slightly dimmer than our next comet, about magnitude 9, it is at a much better height to see and it's up all night because it's right near the North Star. So binoculars might pick it out. They say around about magnitude 8 is about binoculars, but you never know. You might be able to see it. So there's a comet there right by the North Star that you can see. Maybe it's Santa. We move to the 24th now, Christmas Eve. As the sun sets on Christmas Eve, there's going to be a cool celestial triangle low on the horizon. So there's gonna be a really slender moon, there's gonna be Venus, the goddess of beauty, and then Mercury again, just there. They're gonna be just up from the horizon. So it's gonna be a slightly tougher spot because they are quite low and the sun's in the way as well. So it's not really helping there. But if you get a good enough vantage point, maybe a high vantage point, go up on a hill or something like that, if you have a clear southwesterly sort of horizon, you should spot them before they set. So you should see these three things there sitting really nicely in like a triangle. So good luck, happy hunting for Christmas Eve. Now Christmas Day, if you're a bit bored and you're bored of the family and you fancy going out in the evening, you haven't had anything to drink, there's another comet view to spot. It's got another catchy name, C2022E3ZTF. So it's actually in the constellation Corona Borealis. It's quite a hard one to say that. I'll do my best. It's actually the crown constellation. So the constellation represents a crown. It is the brighter one. It's going to be about mag plus eight, meaning it's within binocular viewing. So you might be able to see it there. The constellation itself is quite dim, really faint stars in sort of like a, a half circle. That you may be able to spot, although it is going to set quite early. It does set, I believe, around about 7 p.m. So considering this is Christmas Day, it might be worth popping out maybe the day before, a couple of days after. It won't have moved much. It's still going to be around the same sort of area if you want to go and pop out and see if you can see this with some binoculars. Moving on to the 26th now. Saturn's going to sit sort of nearly atop the moon this evening. You'll see a nice thin crescent moon with a pale yellow dot just above it, which is the ring planet Saturn. It's not at its best, but it's definitely worth having a look. Definitely get your telescopes onto Saturn, even binoculars. You'll see its rings. So if you're bored on Boxing Day, pop out there have a look in the sky see if you can find the planet now the 29th the moon is slipped back towards jupiter now well it's a half-phased moon the planet will be just above right of it so it's nearly right on top of it just above right if you jump actually to the gas giant itself as the sun sets the moon europa is transiting so it's another moon transiting jupiter so on the 29th you have the moon there jupiter just above right and if you get your scopes on it, just as the sun sets, there'll be another moon going across it. So you'll be able to see it. Then it's followed by the moon's shadow. So you're actually going to get to see the moon go across it, then the shadow go across it. So awesome night. Why not pop out in the afternoon, go there, spend a few hours up into the night watching the moon and Jupiter. 
On the 30th, tonight is another great time to look at the moon. So if we look at our moon, along the shadow part, you may spot the letters V and X. And it's where the sunlight glints off several craters, creating an illusion of letters on the moon. They call them the Lunar V and the Lunar X, funnily enough. So look along the shadow bits, see if you can spot these two letters there. Maybe take your family out, see if you have a look. I'm not sure if you can see them with binoculars, but have a go. See if you can spot them, make it as an eye test or something like that. Now, last but not least, 31st, Happy New Year soon if you're like me and you have the sort of tradition of popping out to see in the new year so you stand by your door you open the door and you watch the new year come in my mum used to do it so i kind of like get roped into it why not while you're out there at your door maybe you have to walk out and look behind you because mars might be the other way pop out and while you're seeing the new year in have a look up at mars because mars will be really high it'd be just kind of north of the bright constellation cluster called the hades and taurus the bull and these red stars will complement the red planet because they're all red together and then you've got the brighter blue Pleiades sitting quite close by as well so why not see this red and blue stars and planets all up in the sky fantastic way to see in the new year Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. .weebly.com That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com Well, it's almost the end of the show and as always, I'd like to thank Ross Hockham for taking time out to bring us a Sky Guide. That's not all you're going to hear from TGP Nominal for 2022 because... Hopefully, on Christmas Eve, the 24th of December, will be our Garbage Pod Stroke TGP Nominal Christmas crossover. So expect a load of fun and games for that. So that leaves me with the thing I always say at the end of the show, and that's thanks for listening, stay safe, and I'll speak to you all real soon. Clear skies, guys, and remember, there's a billion worlds in your back garden. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event. <laughs>